thank you Lord that your word is yet unfolding uh, in this earth all of the time all of the time that people pray your word believe your word and connect with you by the Holy Spirit we are able to hear your voice hear your heart and do your will so we thank you Lord for the will of God being completed in the earth in Jesus name amen 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 so um, today we're going to talk about rebuilding arise and build and uh, especially about rebuilding America um, at the end of our teaching um, um, well pray I'll ask you to pray with me uh, pray and I'll pray in the English and you pray in the spirit but God did give me a uh, prayer for us to add to our prayers when we uh, pray corporately and that is for rebuilding America uh, because we certainly need to have a nation that can take care of its people and uh, we have not had that I know many of you understand that uh, the numbers of people are are increasing every day on welfare there's a lot of industry uh, that has left this country um, and we need to get people back to work and we need to make life better for all of us and so and that is God's heart's desire Uh, he said if you don't work you don't eat and we but we have to have work that will cost people to be able to make enough money to live comfortably on and so we've over the years watched many of the high paying jobs leave this nation and uh, factories here are uh, abandoned um, people just throw rocks at them and continue to tear them down and that kind of thing and that should never happen uh, in a thriving nation and so God showed me a very uh, sharp similarity uh, between um, our nation and the, the nation of Jerusalem uh, many years ago and so we'll go back to that and um, in the book of Nehemiah we'll start to study how God calls people to rebuild uh, we've talked about it in our Amos 9:13 prayer so praying that prayer is part of the spiritual work that needs to be done uh, for God restoring and rebuilding and so um, uh, Amos 9:13 is a um, blessing that shows how God will come and accelerate growth in the the minds of the people and in the lives of the people when we need it and we certainly need it now Uh, I don't know many people who have too much money or too much comfort or too much of anything I know many families now must have both people working in order to just make an average living you know sometimes you look and say well do you need a TV in every room or do you need everybody have a cell phone do you need it's really not about that so much that somebody else sets the standards for how you use your income but the fact is that most families now have gotten accustomed to having two people working uh, which means there has to be other things um, uh, coming into the equation it takes more effort it takes more of everything uh, for people just to eke out a meager living and when I say meager I mean uh, there are times where there's unemployment in households you know one person's working the other one got laid off or the other one lost their job or got demoted to a lower paying job it's gotten so desperate now people are trying to raise the minimum wage to the level of a skilled job Uh, they're talking about a $15 an hour minimum wage well where's that 
money going to come from? And so if you're flipping burgers and you want $15 an hour, it just means that you don't see any possibility of moving forward in a more skilled job. Uh, People used to flip burgers to get started. But they were going to school or preparing for a better career. That was what they call entry level. Now it seems that people stay there much longer than entry level. Some people are in uh, fast food jobs for 10 and 12 years. And they see no way to make any improvements in their lives unless they demand more money for a job that really doesn't, um, you know, doesn't generate that kind of income you know if everybody in in the burger king got paid that what would we have to pay for a burger or what would we have to that money has to come through that business and so while people are trying to say that's the next step i think what we need to do is look at what god would provide for people and how he would provide and look at the loss that has come to this nation through the loss of jobs kinds of jobs and um, try and get that back again so that's part of rebuilding America there are many people who profit off of situations like this and so we have to understand that there's opposition to rebuilding uh, all the time the enemy likes Um, destruction he likes confusion he likes hopelessness and he likes helplessness so if he can keep keep our cities uh, uh, you know looking bad it's gotten to the point now where people who live say in suburban areas um, can get on the freeway and they never have to look at blighted areas of the city you know, and that's one of the advantages of having uh, highways where you can just zip past all of the uh, torn up zip codes and you don't have to look at the destruction that's there. So, you know, you can live in this world that tells you, oh, things aren't that bad. And so I think that's what has happened to many people. They just think that uh, because their little corner of the world is pretty pretty secure um, it doesn't exist you know trouble and so God has to raise up intercessors that he can let them see what's on his heart to do God wants everybody to be comfortable be blessed live well wants your children to be strong and healthy that's for everybody it's not just for some people and, and people who begin to understand God realize that you can have these things with assurance if you'll enter into covenant with him but until that happens God's got to show people a way people have to be able to survive and live in the meantime you know and so as we understand that their God has principles in, in place that help people to understand how to prosper and then when it you know when we understand that the gospel is is the place where they need to understand God and have these things perfected in their lives and get peace of mind about them uh, then you share Christ with people so it all fits together but God is not pleased when people don't have what they need I remember Brother Summerall um, uh, when he was uh, about 80 years old and he was thinking you know well I'm old I need to slow down or something like that he was speaking to God and God told him he had a new ministry for him and he told God he said do you know how old I am yeah and God said you're just old enough for me to be able to trust you with this
You got me? So there are things that God puts in our minds and our hearts and our lives to do uh, at a certain time. And it doesn't really have anything to do with how we feel about what he's calling us to do. It has more to do with him judging us faithful and trustworthy. And he, he's needing to trust uh, someone with that work. Uh, the work was to feed the hungry in the earth and brother Summerall said he argued with God some about this and told God why don't you get a younger man to do this you know I don't want to start this at my age and I, you know a lot of things back and forth and God said I gave it to younger men to do but they stole all the money got me and so we have to understand that God calls certain people to do certain things because he has if God gives you something to do you've got to understand this you are the best qualified person to do that job you you can't just say shrug your shoulders and say well you know uh, if I don't do it somebody else will do it you don't know that you don't know that and we can't be casual about our assignments in God uh, if you are called to pray you're called to pray uh, I don't care who else is praying or not praying I don't care if you have to be moved halfway around the world and set up prayer for God and pray. But but when you're called to pray, you're called to do that. And that, you can't change that. You can't you can't change it. And so I just believe when God drafts people into work for him, he's already looked around to see who else can do it. So don't let that be your cop out. Don't let you, that be your your thing that you uh you know fall back on Um, be faithful understand God has you in this place at this time right now to do his prayer and and be faithful doing the prayer and you know and and allow God to use you Um, I see so many people I, I just you know on Facebook you get to read a lot and I think I said God these people are so ignorant and it's not that I'm that knowledgeable don't get me wrong but what you know is what you know and when you see people saying things that are superstitious and lack knowledge and and lack understanding and they're trying to prophesy to people and they don't understand that when you speak for God that's responsibility for your words and, and very casual and and, uh, and I just see it I don't think they just are evil people I think they don't understand the depth of responsibility toward God when he gives you something to do I, you know you're working for the Lord who created the earth he created the universe and these are very very important jobs this is more important than any job you will ever do and I can't stress that enough with people I think sometimes I'll tell people and they it'll sink in for a minute and bounces off because people can always wiggle out and find something else that they want to do that's more important so I thank God for faithful people you know I thank God for uh, people faithful people in this ministry who still will meet and still will pray because they understand what it means to be called by God to do these things and and it it pays in your life you live a better life than the average Christian does I know you do because I've seen how they live you know I've seen how people live they're always scrapping and and uh, praying wow I need prayer for so and so and such and such I'm thinking to myself you know you just 
you just went to the hospital. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on now. You're going to blast that on Facebook and go, all saints pray. You know, you can see the fear on them. And I would want to tell them so badly, don't go to the hospital if you're scared. You better stay with God until you get peace about what's going to happen to you when you get out of there. Don't go in there depending upon somebody else's prayer to give you something you can get from God. And so these are very simple things and I think about them sometimes. I think, I said, God, I thank you so much that you have taught us how to really rely on you and how to trust you know the body of Christ to take care of us in our in our fellowships where we are you know I mean you you can you can call me or Pastor Shirley anytime you need anything uh, and we care for one another like that you don't have to get on Facebook begging strangers for prayer you don't even know those people know God or not uh, but you have a place where you're assigned where these things can be taken care of and you're all still here right y'all still feeling good y'all still got two legs two eyes two you understand what I'm saying so and that's never in jeopardy because you you belong to a body of believers you know that understands the needs and so forth and so on so it's a blessing it really really is it's a major blessing Uh, so anyhow and we're talking about rebuilding arise and build amen get up from where you've been and build the setting here is the end of a 70 year captivity uh, prophets uh, prior to that time had prophesied to the nation of Israel during the times of the kings. Israel, in, in, as, as their lives were summed up, had been basically disobedient to God. And uh, they had a few kings here and there who would obey God to a certain degree. But many times they would lead the people to worship other gods. They would just like they had a temple uh, for God and an altar. They had altars for the gods of the people that lived around them. Compromise is a killer of Christians. It It has always been a killer of the people that serve God. It's not abandoning God 100% but it's compromise where you know people may think uh, well uh, I don't I don't have to come to prayer all the time I can pray by myself well that's not what God has ordained for us to do you understand what I'm saying uh, I can pray here I can pray there it's always compromise you got me somehow people like to keep control over nothing that's the way I look at it. You know, it's control over nothing. It's like uh, the husband that that keeps fifty dollars stuck in his sock because he's scared his wife is frisking him all the time. She gonna take that too. You know what I'm saying? I said, I don't know where that old stinking fifty dollars is. <laughs> get it anytime I want to you know but somehow we just think if we let everything go you know we don't know what's going to happen if I don't keep this little corner of my life and don't let God in on it I don't know what's going to happen to me and that's really not the essence of covenant we're supposed to have 
forsaken everything from the Lord because he forsook everything for us. It's an equal uh, agreement. You do what he does. It's required. It's not an option. And so I, I think deceiving yourself is, is very easy to do uh, when you don't want to let go of everything and operate fully in the covenant that God has for you. And you'll see that this is what happened to Israel over and over again. They uh, constantly try to write their own laws and their own rules in serving God. They compromise. You know, you see them at times where uh, the kings would encourage the people to serve other gods because that's what they wanted to do. And so God had dealt with them for many, many years and got to the point where he told them that he was going to let them go their own way. So you like those other gods, I'm going to let you have them. And Israel went into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Now the time that we're talking about, in the time of Nehemiah, the builder, the 70 year period had come to an end. And so you need to know that God knows when it's time to change a season, when it's time to change a um, uh, work that he's doing, when it's time to step into the next phase of what's going on. And he already has ordained the people that he's going to use. And so it's good to be in the employ of God all the time and then you're assured that He, you are one of the people that he intends to use to do his will see if you're already working for God there's never any question if he's going to use you Uh, and you have to get used to that word use because that means you don't have any say so and what happens wherever he decides to place you is where he will place you and whatever he decides for you to do he will give you the power to do it and so we we have to be aware that God does these things and he has to have control over everything how would you like it if you were in charge of running something and people were constantly taking control away from you you couldn't get much done And so that's why God has to have humble servants who will serve him regardless of what's going on. So anyway, in Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah is talking uh, to some of the people who have... escaped uh, and you know who have the they have been released from their captivity in Babylon and they want to go back to Jerusalem but they don't know what condition they're going to find it in what has happened is the temple and the city have been abandoned for so many years uh, when they were exiled from Babylon I mean from uh, Jerusalem uh, the people that the Babylonians went in and took all the precious things out of the temple of God they took the uh, uh, chalices they took the pitchers they took the lamps stands they took all everything that was made of gold and silver they took that as the spoils of war but it's interesting to me that over the 70 year period they hadn't been melted down and sold and used for something else and it's kind of interesting because God will preserve what belongs to him 
and he will guard over it. These things were dedicated to God for the use in the temple and use the temple alone. For instance, let me give you an example. In when uh, the nation of the children of Israel left Egypt, the Bible says God told them, "Go to your neighbors and borrow." bracelets earrings gold borrow everything that you can from them and that was Israel's severance pay and they were to use that keep that until God told them how to use it when they got over into the promised land to worship him so they would take things that they had had the spoils of war the precious things it was common to take those and melt them down and use them for other things remember when Moses came back down from the mountain after 40 days of speaking with God they had already melted all that jewelry and stuff down and made a golden calf to worship and so they had to then take the calf melt that down break it down and then begin to construct the things for the temple of God that's how they that's how people survived you survived when you had a war and you conquered people you were fighting for money you were fighting for food you were fighting for cattle for things that you needed to survive off of and so when they began to to accumulate these things and God gave Moses the the directions for building the tabernacle which was where God first dwelt with them uh, he told Moses to make things according to the pattern that he had seen shown him so God gave Moses Moses visions of what the tabernacle in heaven looked like and he told told Moses to replicate those things down here on earth the tabernacle down here on earth and that's why things were made of such precious material you know you get to understand God's mind in things folks Uh, like you'll see people who make build churches now and they'll say things like well God wants us to have the best it's not that's not where his mind is folks when God gave Moses and they they try to justify it by saying things like well remember in the Old Testament everything was gold and everything was this and everything God wanted them to have to know that is not what he was doing he was getting people to understand that there is a throne in heaven and an altar in heaven where you have an intercessor who ministers over your needs and heaven is a real place and to prove that I'm letting you make a copy of it down here so you'll know exactly what heaven is like heaven is the pure place heaven is the place where the streets are paved with gold heaven is the place where everything in God's sanctuary is gold and the angels cry holy in front of God all day long you understand what I'm saying so it has nothing to do with the best as far as your little carnal mind can can conceive of but it has more to do with are you duplicating things as they are in heaven the same way God is telling you to do because God does not dwell in a tabernacle anymore. He dwells in the hearts of men. So it's more important for us to purify this thing 
Amen. And live pure than it is for us to adorn worship houses with what we call the best of things. You got me? There's a big difference in that. To prove that, look at where the Jewish, the nation of Israel does now. They have what's left that where they worship is a wall, a, a remnant of the old temple that's left there. And that's all that's there. And they worship in that, that wailing wall as a remnant of where God had them to worship many many years ago and so uh, an understanding God's mind is so important in things uh, when when Jesus uh, was, was died at the, on the cross the temple the uh, curtain in the temple was split from the top to the bottom letting people know that God's spirit was now being released into the hearts of men and now he's not hold up in a building anymore he's not holed up in a temple anymore but he is released into the hearts of men but God ordained at this time that the temple would be rebuilt as a place to worship until the Messiah came until Jesus came and Jesus said Remember when he would prophesy about the temple, they would brag on it and say, oh, this is a great temple. Herod built this temple for us. It's wonderful. And he said, I'll destroy that in three days. You got me? And well, he was talking about his own house or temple but that one was destroyed about 70 years after Jesus died you know it was destroyed never to really be rebuilt again that's why the Jews nowadays do not rebuild that temple so these are temporary places where God would meet with people until he could have a real house to live in and that's the hearts of men he's always wanted to dwell with man so those were temporary uh, examples of where God wanted to dwell and this would be his final resting place is within man and living inside of us and so Nehemiah then hears of how the temple is uh, uh, torn down in verse 1 he says while I was in the citadel of Shushan the palace Hanani one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem so here 70 years have passed they've all been released from captivity so Nehemiah has a heart to want to gather the people back together again he has a heart he says God set us free now let's go back to our homeland does that sound familiar to anybody here the Jews have always wanted to return to the holy city Jerusalem which was given to them by Christ. Amen. It, that, that belongs to the Jews because it belongs to God. That's where Jesus is going to come back to is Jerusalem when he comes back to the earth. So that's his city. They said to me those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire when I heard these things I sat down and wept for some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the Lord God of heaven then I prayed and said this said Lord the God of heaven the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant with love and those who love him and keep his commandments let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and and nights on behalf of your servants 
that would would stop most people right there praying day and night praying consistently praying over and over again praying for years the same prayer and asking God the same thing that stops 90% of people from a prayer life I've seen it over the years I used to think you know when I would hear people older people who have been praying for years would say the same thing I'm saying now and when I would hear it I said oh you know people aren't that bad well it's not about being bad it's just about being obedient not obedient and whether you allow God to make these truths real to you or you let the devil steal the revelation from you Uh, God is not causing us to be the kind of people who shop around for ministries to do there's a call there there's something you're called to something you're gifted for something you're naturally uh inclined to do Uh, these are callings folks it's not optional you know it's if everybody had the option of not obeying god my goodness what what condition would this world be in and so these are callings you know they are called to do that and it's good to obey the call of god so things can go well with you so he's concerned about somebody other than himself that's the way intercessors live you're not stuck on you all the time you're not trying to uh, get some kind of wealth transfer or some kind of uh, you know something material that's going to be here in a material sense all the days of your life you're you're involved in eternal things that's your heart is to do things uh, in eternal ways and so he says here he uh, he asked the Lord to listen to the prayer he said your servant is praying before you day and night and he says well, I confess the sins of our people and that's always good to acknowledge we have no right to be sitting here expecting you to do anything for us God because we we brought this upon ourselves and so he says he says we have acted very wickedly towards you we have not obeyed the commands decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses remember the instructions you gave your servant saying if you are faithful if you are unfaithful I will scatter you among the nations but if you return to me and obey my commands then even if you're exiled people at the farthest horizon I'll gather them back so he's remembering God's word right now the people are still scattered some went to Babylon some went fled to Egypt some fled to all kinds of different provinces but now he wants to gather the people of God back and he's praying toward that there is always hope for God to move in our lives I don't care if it's illness I don't care if it's poverty I don't care if it's barrenness I don't care if it's desolation I don't care if it's near death uh, fires earthquakes whatever there's always room for God to move if we will pray because he is a merciful God and he has instructed us that when things go bad he wants us to, to turn away from our wicked ways repent of our sins and pray and he will hear an answer he answers a righteous and a holy people he doesn't answer a bunch of complainers 
a bunch of people who have their own solutions he uh he answers people who are solely depending on him and so he says uh he says he remembers the instruction he says god remember you say if we would do this like i'm doing if we repent and pray you gather us back so that we can worship you again well, you gather us back so that we can live a healthy and holy life you'll gather us back so that we can serve you he says they are your servants and your people who you redeem with your great strength and your mighty hand so god these people belong to you lord let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of of this man so which means the king that he was about to speak to about uh um leaving and so uh he he knows he's got a um a situation coming up where it could go either way it could go yes or no and that's why you pray to god you pray to god to pave the way for you you don't just uh, uh you know assume that everything's going to go in your favor because you're saved or because you you know got a few scriptures or you got a confession together or something like that you pray to god that you know when i go before these people uh, i'll have favor with you and i'll find favor you don't assume that i sure wouldn't um because you you have to you have to reverence god you have to respect him as the one who can open this door for you so in chapter 2 then you see Nehemiah before the king and uh, this is interesting because God opens this door for him. He does not tell the king anything to start out with and that's always a sign that God is with you and he's done this. If somebody comes to you and says can, is there anything I can do for you? How can I help you? I hear that you're doing this or doing that. How can I help you? Sometimes, you know, it's it's God opening the door for that to happen for you so that you don't have to go through any risk. So in Nehemiah, though, but, but he's already prayed and asked God for favor when he goes before the king and so God doesn't even have him to ask the king if he can talk to him he just has the king approach him already with the answer and that's very rare uh, because if you know anything from from uh, uh, Bible history kings didn't see everybody uh, they didn't have time to see everybody and they didn't not everybody uh, came into the king's presence so Nehemiah though was what he refers to as the king's cupbearer which means that he was the guy that uh, could die at any minute he was a disposable person so that's not a high ranking position at all because your cupbearer was the one who would pour off some of whatever you were drinking from and taste it first and then they would check and see if he was still alive and it was okay for you to eat or drink you understand what i'm saying i mean that's just the way it was and so in cup bearers if the king was drinking wine you stayed pretty drunk most of the time or you were happy you understand what i say? you had a goofy smile on your face over in the corner and the king could live and so uh 
they, I mean, these were real jobs. Yeah, you know, and they, and they would take slaves or people. And they, he was part of the Babylonian captivity, so he had, he was still a slave. He'd been released, but he was, and he's still working for the king. And so uh, the king asks him, why are you looking like that? That's not your usual look, Nehemiah. And so he says here uh, in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, he says, uh, it says that when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king's asking him what's wrong. Now, a cupbearer, like I said, if you're you got wine, you're usually pretty happy. King, this wine is good. But if your face looks sad, the king wants to know was that poison or what? You know, what are you trying to tell me with this look on your face? And so the king asks him what's wrong. He says, he, "You haven't been sad in my presence before." And he says, uh in verse 3 says I was very much afraid but I said to the king may the king live forever why should my face look uh, why should my face not look sad where the, when the cities where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire and the king said to me what is it that you want that's a very powerful statement coming from a king this is what we call the blank check for doing the will of God. God will give you somebody in authority who will give you a blank check for doing his will. I don't care what it is you're called to do for God. You're going to have to go through some human beings in order to get the work done. That's just the way it is. You're going to need people oftentimes to help with the work. You're going to need people who will work. You're going to need people who will uh, do uh, things beyond what they're asked to do sometimes. And so for Nehemiah though, God gives him a blank check to get the work done. Because if the king didn't mean what do you need to get it done, he would not ask him. So the king is expecting to do whatever it takes to get this whole job done. So the king really is rebuilding a city. That's the task that he's undertaking here. And he he doesn't flinch. He's perfectly capable of doing it. He's perfectly open to doing it. And he's not concerned about anything that it takes to get the job done. You got me? And so this is beyond political. This is God. Because many times politicians will say, well, we can't do it because we don't have enough money over here. And let's get some more taxes so we can get some more money and then it never gets done. You understand what I'm saying? That's typical of political things. But when God's involved, everything's paid for from beginning to end. And that's one of the ways that you can know the will of God. When there's no lack, where there's no stress, where there's no strain. I'm not saying there won't be opposition and there won't be hard work. But God will give you, if you're a leader and you're called to get things done for him, he will give you a blank check to get his will done. Amen. You just have to to stand in faith that that will happen for you uh, God will never give you something to do that he won't pay for he always pays for what he has his people do 
pays 100% for it. Why? Because he will never have you say that God shortchanged you and didn't give you what you needed to complete the job. It's always a sign of God's approval on what you do. I remember the first conference we had. This is the thing you have to know about God's dealings. I know people who will get things started for God and then they'll, you know, they'll say, well, I think he just wanted me to do that one time. When has God ever told anybody to do anything? You understand what I'm saying? Just, I mean, you, there's no biblical evidence for that. When Moses gathered the people together, he gathered them so they could hear from God. And they needed to hear from him over and over and over again. When is it that you don't need to hear from God? But I know people who have tried to start things and and then they'll get doubt as to whether God, it'll be successful. First time successful. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen again. You better pray and get yourself together. And, and Because God always wants people to continue what he does. He doesn't start and stop things. If he ever was with you, he will be with you every time you get together to do these things. Uh, I remember Gloria, <laughs> Gloria Copeland uh said that the first healing school that she did, she just, she just really loved the word and she loved studying the word and she and Ken studied the word together they still do uh, and but in a part two you know what I'm saying but they love studying the word and, and she had understood some things about God and uh, God told her to have a healing meeting for her well they had been to um, uh, Rama. They, they had lived in Tulsa he worked for Oral Roberts for about two or three years as his private pilot and while they were in Tulsa they just stopped up every word they could get from everybody and they would go to brother Hagen's meetings well brother Hagen always ran a healing school uh and he had there was a healing school and there was also he had two healing meetings a day every day they still do the healing school was a different format and then the healing service was different from that one and so they went to every single meeting they could if, if brother Roberts you know if he wasn't flying every day they were free to go here there and everywhere and so they took advantage of that and and so she had been to all those healing schools they they had uh, recorded a lot of Brother Hagin's teachings and they were so excited about all of those things. And, and so God spoke to her one day and told her he wanted to her to have a healing school. And she had it and she was pleased with it and she, you know, liked it. And then uh, God told her, spoke to her a little bit later and said, well, well when's the next one? And she said, well, what do you mean when's the next one? I thought that was the only one you wanted me to do. She's, she wasn't very confident as a speaker, which we all know you don't need to be in order to serve God. Uh, all of the things that she thought she wasn't didn't matter to God because he called her, you see. And so he started telling her, he said, I want you every time you have your conventions, I want you to have Saturday as healing school. And she got settled in her heart about it and she's been doing them ever since. But I'm telling you, when you're called of God, you're not called to do one meeting and then go sit down and do nothing else for him. The anointing doesn't work like that. If you're anointed to work for God, that anointing's on you to work, period. That's your work. 
to do. You do that work all the time. And so, uh, but it's good to know that because many times, and see the enemy will come in there and talk you out of well, who do you think that meeting wasn't that good? Well, he showed up one time. He He's not going to do that all the time for you. Who do you think you are? And so the enemy is constantly there speaking at us, telling us we're not called. You can do that if you want to, but it's not like God's expecting you or depending on you. Who do you think you are? You got me? And so we have to be careful about these voices because nothing can be further from the truth of the way God runs his kingdom. He told you to have one meeting. He's told you to have meetings every week, every this, every that. Consistent meetings because his people need consistent feeding got me and you know we may think we won't be missed or whatever you think what you want to do but you better get up there and do what God tells you to do if he helps you to do it one time he'll help you to do it again I remember our first meeting a first conference that we had and uh, I had asked God I said well God I'm nervous He'd given us these places to go and, and rent. And, you know, after I was in there, then Christians would say, they let you rent this? What do you mean they let me? You know, God told me to come here. You know what I'm saying? We've been trying to get in this place for forever. And they never let us rent this place. We never have enough. Well, Christians, we've already made up our minds. Christian can't have these places to do their meetings in and uh, to me it was just being obedient to God I didn't know anything about you know it was all this difficult and anything like that and um, now believers have gone there forever now you know the problem was nobody that had any real spiritual authority knew how to speak against these powers that were holding it up you see and so we did that long before we went and and tried to rent any of them i didn't know we were doing it for that i just thought that was our assignment as far as prayer is concerned and so sometimes god will have you follow up your prayer with some action amen Remember that, Mr. Gary? We were at Cobo Hall, and they were telling us, oh, we had to, remember, we would get over in the Western. We had the Western and Cobo Hall. We had two places where they said they couldn't meet. But what we had done prior to that was God told us to go around all these venues in this city and break the demonic powers that were keeping believers out. And... uh even Brother Copeland said he never tried to get in Detroit again. He left here running, you know, because he said that. He said, mm, he said that people will break you. You know, they won't give in the offering. You go into debt in that place. And it was just tough. And so, and you know, what do you know when you're serving God? All I know is uh, I'm obedient to God. If he tells me go do something, I go do it. And so, uh, and that's the best way to keep it. Don't try to get too busy figuring you know you'll start trying to be somebody you're not you know uh, I see these people uh, I'm the head apostle of this city well how do you know that you understand <laughs> are you God 
I mean, how would you even know who else is standing in that office where you are? And uh, you get a bunch of more idiots together that think like you, and then you want to go and try and destroy somebody's ministry. That's the first thing people like that tend to want to do is hurt somebody else with their authority. So, you know, you don't need all of that. All you need to do is know what God wants you to do. Go do. Go do it. Go do it. And get it over with. But we did that. We did it for a season. We're not there now. Well, God gave us other places. You know, when. but he did bring in all the money for that meeting on the first night. Because I was nervous. I said, God, could you please give us all the money tonight? And he brought it in. And ministers who were at the meeting, uh, who were working, you know, I had mentioned to a couple of them, I said, well, you know, we're we're praying and asking God to get our budget met tonight. And I didn't know it, but behind my back, they're rolling their eyes up in the ceiling and, you know, all this kind of stuff. What did she really think God's going to? And he did. So then they were sitting there with egg on their face. They said, we didn't think for one minute he's going to give you all that money in one night. He's never done that for me. <laughs> well, maybe you need to ask him, you know. But, but you know, when, you, when you're trusting God, God things like that will happen for you but this will be our 21st year 22nd year 21st year of having that meeting why because I had sense enough to know even then that if he did it for you once I wouldn't feel good not having that conference just like I wouldn't feel good not having this meeting and so we have to understand when God calls you to do something you are called forever got me forever It doesn't matter if you're new to what you're called or relatively new to the call. Doesn't matter new, old, young, what. Uh, When you step in is your time. A lot of people say stuff like, well, I don't think I'm called as an intercessor because this is the first time I've ever done anything. That doesn't mean anything. You showed up at the right time. That's it. You know, you show up when God tells you to show up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you've done a different kind of ministry all your life. And now all of a sudden he wants you to be devoted to prayer. It does not matter. Just dig in there and do what you can do right now where you are. What you're called to do. And don't forget what you're called to do. I don't believe people who are anointed to do things uh, move off and quit doing that and go do something else. I don't believe it for one minute. The anointing does not work like that. The anointing builds. Your confidence as an intercessor builds. Your confidence as a watchman builds. These things build in your life. And so you're more equipped now after a number of years than you ever were in to do this. And I don't care if you don't take it seriously or you don't think a call is, is all that. Uh, you need to take it seriously because if you're here right now, you're called. Do you understand what I'm saying? You are called. You didn't just get it. You didn't just happen in here. You didn't just waltz in here. You got called here. People who are doing things for God are called to do them. So Nehemiah was called to lead these people to build and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. You can tell what you're called to do. When you hear things like build, when you hear things like restore, when you those are intercessors works. You got me? Uh, it's just like the people I see these people all the time uh, uh, on the, the some of the um, builder shows like um, DIY Network or you know some of the ones that are you see some some of them they, they get some of the weirdest interests 
you know they'll go in an old stinking dilapidated building oh this is so wonderful is this what I must say huh? can we get the bulldozer out into there you know what I'm saying if you have don't have a vision for restoring that thing then you ain't called to do it you'll mess it up every single time but if you let those people alone you'll see that they in their mind's eye they have a vision for recreating that thing in the beauty that it was first created in and that's God you got me that's God God doesn't always want to take the bulldozer to everything and sometimes in the work of restoration you will have to take some things apart but you do it to put them back together again every part is precious like I'll see that uh, what's her name Nicole um, what's Nicole's last name she's on uh, DIY Network she's the one that was restoring homes here in the Detroit area but she works in Minneapolis Nicole Curtis is her name she works in Minneapolis most of the time but uh, when she takes things apart she'll she said oh I got a garage full of lumber and bricks and you know she saves everything that can be salvaged she doesn't throw anything away because this is her life's work is restoration the next house that she gets to may need these things that were taken from the old and so in restoration people try to preserve as much as they can because things are precious and I think that's what Nehemiah saw here he saw the desire to uh, re- uh, restore as much as possible because that temple was precious it was built by the hands of his ancestors it was built under the reign of King Solomon who was David's heir and so there's important history here there's important uh, just like in, in Christianity uh, some of the things that we we just take take for granted are very very precious things uh, you know some of the old teachings uh, some of the teachings from some of the older saints and we're always running around trying to find something new when we haven't really built our faith on the history of the church and understand that well enough to know our foundation and so sometimes if you don't know your history you don't think your present is very valuable but but those things were built on the uh, from the hard work and the labor of people that that were, were called of God to do what they were doing so Nehemiah is in front of the king now and the king has got his attention he asked him what do you want he said then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered you notice the order that you do things in you don't answer first and then pray you pray first and then answer you got me it's very important that your answer come from God because then it'll be the right thing and you'll be able to get what you need and he says if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it so he says all of that in one one sentence I just want to go and rebuild the city that I came from if that's okay and that was what was in his heart to do he says I want to go and do this work 
I want to go and be a part of this work. If it, if I'm the one who's going to lead it, I'll be the leader. But just let me get involved in that because uh, my heart is broken and crushed that we don't have a place to worship God anymore. We don't have a city to live in. Well, we have nothing. And so he says, uh, he, he told him that. And then the king with the queen sitting beside him, so he's got a witness to what he's saying. Ask me how long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me so I set a time. I also said to him if it pleases the king may I have letters official. Can I have official so that people won't harass me and ask me. You know when God sends you to do something he gives you all of the important credentials that you need. He makes you official. You got it? There's so many people running around churches mad at people because they won't ordain them or mad at people because they don't recognize their gift and man when God has you to do something he'll make you official enough to get the job done I was thinking about I uh I was uh asked I had sent my testimony I was so excited I uh, was when I was saved I had gotten several answers to prayer uh, by watching the 700 club and I had sent them some some uh, thank you letters and praise report letters about the different answers to prayer and they had sent me a letter back and asking me if uh, they would consider me for their program and so I was excited about it and I uh, I went to uh, in the meantime we had left Cleveland and come to Detroit and we had been in a church there of course I started the ministry there and the pastor locked us out because we were praying in tongues and they didn't want us to but you can tell that to Pat Roberts and them or people like you know some people just don't they don't dig it they just think you know if you're not a certain way and so there was one lady that kept interviewing me and she said well uh, I understand that you're, you gotta, you're in a new place but you know we, we can't let you on without a pass I said well this is legitimate I said how do you tell testimonies down there you know if you're I said don't you get a witness from the Holy I'm, and I'm asking questions like this and I'm thinking to myself well apparently not you understand what I'm saying because they think you she said in this is what she told me and this is where my prayer life for for that ministry uh, started to turn and get more serious she said this and then uh, listen Pat Robertson is her boss Pat gets criticized all the time because he doesn't go to church I said well I wouldn't let that get around if I were you I said because that man's anointed the way he is and he's running a a worldwide ministry and he don't go to church I said if we all quit going think what we could do for God Pat Robertson is an apostle of God that man has built so much ministry and and she's saying people are quibbling because he don't go to church he is a church all to himself I'm saying to myself how do you think you can pray for people and get a word of knowledge in it if he's not the church you got me so people you can see the ignorance among people there she's working for this man he's covering her 
and she doesn't think he should be doing it because he's criticized a lot I said I wouldn't let that get around if I were you but anyway we fell out of course (laughs) I was not asked to come because I couldn't produce a pastor who said he knew me you understand what I'm saying it's just it's just crazy stuff but this is what God did with that um, some years after that I had uh, I had called their prayer line and talked to somebody and this person and I struck up a friendship now they're not supposed to exchange phone numbers with you or call you back or anything like that but this gentleman was very interesting he was interested in the fact that I had a prayer ministry he said watchman he said what is that and he we started talking well uh, it worked out that i wanted to visit cbm my husband and i were going on vacation to virginia and one of the places we were going to go was virginia beach and we i told him i wrote him uh this my friend a letter and i told him i said i'm going to call you when i get there because we're going to come to virginia beach he said can you come by and talk to the intercessors and i said i would love to so i went there i taught them on prayer uh there were like about i guess maybe about 80 or 100 intercessors he said now this he said today i'm in charge of our uh teaching where we get together and we encourage each other with the word and we so he told me what the meeting was about and I was able to minister to them and share the word with them. And they were so excited. They said, God sent you here. He said, and the guy told me, he said, it is just so depressing here sometimes. He said, people come with all kind of problems. He said, and we try to keep ourselves encouraged and blah, 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 blah. And so it was just a real good meeting. And so God told me, he said, I don't care who shuts the door on you he said when i create a door for you to go through he said that door stays open until i close it and so many times we'll think one door is opening for us but if we keep heart and keep serving god we'll find the real door that he wants us to go through you understand and so that was really what what uh he wanted me to go there for was to encourage and minister to people who were doing the same kind of work that I was doing and it was just it and to this day um, that guy and I keep in contact with one another that's been over 20 maybe 20 or 25 years what about 20 years ago and so it's it's good to understand what God really is calling you to do but once he opens the door that door stays open until you go through it I don't care who blocks it who thinks they can't they'll keep you from doing something uh it's it's amazing to know uh how god wants us to to minister and and things like that and so he was able to fulfill that uh because i just believe god you know i believe god when you start things in god you can't get away from it until he is finished with you so nehemiah has all of the official letters that he needs because he has to travel from one region to the next one government for to the next that's the other thing about having authority in god god has sent us to different cities to pray and whenever we go into a city we don't have any problem when god sends us we don't have any problem getting the work done uh we've gone to 
where else oh gosh Washington D.C. we went there to pray government the nation's capital where people tell you oh it's so uh, you know it's so much political stuff down there and you know blah 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 but when God sends you you're anointed to do it now if I tried to jump up and go do this stuff on my own and try to make myself of some reputation you know there's no guarantee that God would be with us but uh, we've done that went to Minneapolis to pray Uh, different cities where we've been sent to I always go there and pray I never go on vacation I hurt somebody's feelings but you got to know who you are now may that may not be true for you but I go and I pray the first order of business you know sometimes you can't help it because (laughs) your head is spinning with this you gotta pray just to keep sane sometimes in some of these atmospheres and so that's that's what I do that's who I am that's what I do I'm I'm never not on on the on target for God never I'm always switched on to God he just doesn't send you places just it's like Paul would go to different cities he wasn't you know when he would tell the believers I'm going to come back and see you again he meant to do God's official business he didn't mean chitting and chatting I mean he did some of that too but as time allowed but you have to understand this so when you're when you work for God if he sends you to a city you have to know that you have authority to be successful there with what you do and just do as much as God tells you to do and move on there are some people who will go and pray in a city and think they're supposed to stay there and camp out and start a church and get you're not always called to do all of that sometimes you just go there to fight the devil and bind him up so somebody else can come and plant that church you just you just do what you what you know you're called to do and do what you feel led to do uh, the same thing we moved to Detroit I asked the Lord if I was supposed to start a work there and he said you're always supposed to start work if you come and stay for a while you see you can't have you know uh fruit i mean uh anointed people always bear fruit the minute you open your mouth people will show up and start to to want to pray and so we believe god that the prayer is effective because it always gets done i don't care how many or how few people we have we always get our prayer assignment done amen and we don't ever not do it or get discouraged or you know what are we supposed to do now kind of well you know what you're supposed to do you got them prayers out get to get to praying oh pastor barb there's only three of us well then you will you if you get four you you'll be able to have another part pray up for four I remember I told Pastor Shirley that when I left Cleveland and she said what are we supposed to do I said you better keep praying you quit and I don't know what's going to happen I know what's going to happen if you continue but if you quit I don't know what's going to happen to y'all so anyway that's what you do you don't you know this isn't a numbers game you know I don't I don't say that because our numbers are small but I say it because it's true and God showed me that over the years. There are churches that have a hundred times as many people as we have and even more and are not nearly as effective. And I know that from what God showed me about ministry. They're, they don't even know how to pray. 
many of them don't even know the word and aren't taught much of the word and aren't encouraged to pray there are churches that are set up they come and go and they don't pray or they pray well can anybody come uh wednesday morning at five for church prayer they meet at some obscure time where nobody's there and they don't pray during the service like they're ashamed to pray during the service time and so you get all those people together for nothing because you don't really teach them the foundation of their christian walk of success for their christian walk so uh, you know but the entertainment group is is you know that's a broad way you got me that leads to just coming to be entertained there are a lot of people on that walk because they they like that you know they like they don't like being quiet listening to god you know praying in tongues for an hour at a time i don't know if they can you tarry with me an hour no i can't (laughs) i'm not gonna try you know what i'm saying people just are like that they don't want to try to devote themselves to prayer so you know it's just just the way it is so you know sometimes people are given what they want and they're robbed you know every every single time you're given what you want you're robbed i'm not saying that you can't have the desires of your heart that's a totally different thing but people crave all kinds of things that aren't good for them and they're given to them by church leaders and so when we understand what we're called to do it's a much richer life to fulfill a calling than to just show up and and have a good time and so it's it's different so nehemiah gets this blank check from the king to get the work done he also decides that he needs official letters so that he can go from one area to the next now that still is true for us as believers but your official letter is the anointing the anointing will get you from one city to the next to do the will of god you have to know what you're called to do and how that anointing functions there are many people who wouldn't think of going to another city to pray or to do anything like that but you know if that's what you're called to do the anointing is your official letter that will get you past the gates of every single city past the strong man who runs the city past all of the powers that be to try to keep you from doing the will of god you know i've seen it all minneapolis was probably one of the darkest places that i've ever been um you know working for god darker than some of the islands that i've been to and 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 uh when i was when we were in the airport there's you could hear growls and hisses in the spirit you know just go brother thank you nice to meet you too you know i mean what are you gonna say and um <laughs> i remember we went into a restaurant and we were just going there to eat and being nice and everybody had nobody had their elbows on the table or their feet and we went picking our teeth with toothpicks or nothing and and so the waitress started out explaining the the uh, menu to us and then all of a sudden she said well here just take it and just dropped it and ran off from us you understand what i'm saying and so these little things happen you know 
they don't happen to everybody and I'm not saying I'm special because they happen to me but you have to learn how to interpret these things by the spirit of God and when you're anointed to do a work for God the strong man will always send a representative to meet you to either discourage you from coming to make you feel rejected to make so all we did was just smile and say, well, the welcoming party is here. What else are you going to say? But we stayed there. and we, we prayed more in our little hotel. <laughs> and when we, when we went, we really went to go to a conference, to a meeting, four-day meeting. Three, I was three days or something. We could only stay for a certain number of days. But we had to get our tickets in order to get the lowest price ticket. We had to come in on a Saturday. Was it a Friday night or a Saturday? And the, the meetings didn't start until Monday. So we were there two days in advance. And those two days we stayed praying almost the whole time that we were there. And so you're never there because it's a cheap ticket. You're there because that's when God wants you there. Got me? And you're there because God has a work for you to do. And the people that were at the meeting prayed as well. They prayed every morning before those meetings started because they understood what they needed to do. But then there are other people God will send to pray as well. See, God's in charge of this. You're not in charge of nothing. So don't say, well, yeah, that wasn't necessary because they prayed. No, you don't know that. You're not in charge of things. You're not the head of the church. But this is how God operates. This is how he gets his work done. It's through people that he has anointed with certain anointings to do certain work. When he tells you to go do something, you go do it because he's equipped you to do it. You don't just go or think it's optional. You know, By the time you've been in ministry as long as I have, nothing's optional. I don't have no options. I gave up options years ago. You know, like people say, "Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good." I mean, you need to come to church when you're not feeling good. You need to see that as a place of healing. Why would you stay home? I don't get it. I always get healed when I come in here. You understand what I'm saying? It's just flip it around, folks. Flip it around. You know, sometimes our souls are looking for excuses not to obey God. You know, you let yourself get accustomed to giving in to your soul's demands and you won't get much from God. You won't get very far. And the day that you really need God to come through for you, there won't be, there'll be a bunch of empty times, you know, empty slots where you could have been built up, but you won't let God build you up. You keep giving in to your soul that doesn't want to cooperate with this. So you have to learn how to stiffen yourself and just do what you got to do. You understand what I'm saying? Just keep going. Keep moving forward. Nobody gets anywhere by just sitting doing nothing. So God's moving you forward. So here Nehemiah has the official letters. He's got the blank check. He's got everything that he needs. And he says here, uh, uh, he gets the official letters. that to provide safe conduct so he won't be killed or arrested trying to do the work of God. God won't let you get killed if you believe him to keep you alive. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. 
He says, and may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates. So really the king has the power to give you everything that you need. Don't ever settle for half done things or half paid for things or half and quit and think you can't get it all. The king will take care. If he calls you to do something, he pays for it. He says, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. It's not because he's such a good servant or anything he does. It's God's hand that's moving this. And we got to know that. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letter. The king also had sent army officers and cavalry with me. So he gives him everything he needs and then some. He's got protection. He's got horses that can carry them. He's not going to have to walk the whole way and be tired when he gets there. Then Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this so these are some guys that have some authority i would call these the strong men of the city amen it's like my little hissers at the airport the strong men of the city come out to meet you when you're anointed by god to do what you do that's all the devil has to stop you is the ones whose territory you're invading so when you go to these places they have the fear that you will kick them out of their position so they fight for it. And that's how that works. The devil has his kingdom structure and we have ours. And so they will come out to greet you to try and discourage you from entering their city. And doing what God has sent you to do. And so you have to realize and don't take it personal. It's only business. You have to get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about whose you are and whom you serve. So when you serve God, he puts anointings on people he can trust to be there who are consistent and faithful. He doesn't anoint quitters. I wish people would understand that. People tell me things like, I wish God would anoint me. You stay faithful. And pretty soon down the road, you'll see what it is is why they're not anointed there's always a reason for it and oftentimes it's because they get too easily discouraged they want to put things off they want to well i can't do it this time i'm saving my money no you can come now if god's called you to do this you can be there every single time I can remember people when we first started the ministry. Uh, I remember the Dillards because they have four kids, and it was such a struggle. But they have never missed a conference, they've never missed a meeting, because I think they understood from day one: if I'm called to do this, I'm not called to hang back while everybody else goes and does and, and gets what God has for. I'm called to be a part of this, and that's what faith does. Faith doesn't wait until the circumstances shape up to what you need faith does it anyway you understand what i'm saying we've had many people that that you know it's oh i don't have all my money now you better keep praying because at the last minute somebody could come up with that fifty dollars or whatever it is and pay that for you we've paid for many people over the years the love offering we've always taken that love offering for people who felt they didn't have all their finances we've always encouraged people to sow seed uh, you know, well, I can pay for it with my last paycheck. You don't know that. 
You don't know that. The devil hear you say that, and he'll have a big gas bill waiting on you. He does it every time. So sow your seed and get God involved, and by the time you're ready to to have that meeting, the rest of your money will be there because you're sowing toward it. You know, nothing beats God's methods for doing things. And so when when we understand uh, how God wants us to do these things, he is faithful. He just wants servants who will do his will. So here we have the detractors, the strong men of the city, Sanballat and Tobiah. They were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of God's people. Whenever you go to work for God, you have to know the devil's very much disturbed. Because he wants himself to stay in power. He likes people being confused, discouraged, upset, complaining, whining. Not knowing what to do. he The devil loves that kind of stuff. Because if he can keep people disturbed. He can keep control over them. Because he can do something. that He can make them do something. To try and end their discouragement. And their confusion. And so. He hates it. When somebody comes. In the, in the name of peace. Promoting peace. For people. Period. And he knows that if he allows God's people to set up an altar for God, it's over for him. If them people get to making those sacrifices and those offerings, these guys know it's over as far as their authority is concerned. The devil knows if he lets believers who really pray come into a city and start praying, it's over for him. Because they'll start moving his stuff out of the way. And God can start to set up real life for people. Prosperity for people. Salvation for people. Deliverance for people. And the devil's power gets smaller and smaller and smaller every time God's people advance. So that's what he hates about this. That's, what he, that's why they, the devil hates the rebuild. When we go and pray for Rejoice Detroit, you better know the devil hates that. Nothing he can do about it now because we didn't got started already. You understand what I'm saying? Once you step into something, as long as you can continue with it, God will give you the faith to keep moving on with it. But if he can stop you before you get started, that's why he likes to kill babies and abortion that's like why he tried to kill Jesus when he was first born tried to kill Moses when he if he can get you in the baby stage before you even breathe life he's got he can stop God's move so he thinks he'll stop try to stop baby Christians people who are just starting in ministry they get started and then they have try to have one meeting and the devil beats them up so bad oh I'm not going to do that that couldn't have been God oh it was 100% God <laughs> you just got to get to know him like that amen why don't we stop father we thank you for uh, giving us knowledge of your word understanding of your word and father i thank you that you have given us a mandate to pray for rebuilding the city of detroit that's where we started and now the nation that we understand what you are doing To revitalize this nation and rebuild this nation 
So we pray for that. I, I uh, put this prayer together. We're going to pray it. I may need to revise it some or something. I'll pray about that too. But for right now, this is what God has given me. It's given from the book of Nehemiah. So we'll continue to teach about that and, and pray this prayer. And I want you all to get the vision for this being the same thing with the nation of America and understanding what God wants to do with us to rebuild us. If people don't think this nation needs rebuilding they don't have eyes uh, because everywhere cities are desolate and everywhere people are out of work uh, if you look at statistics and it doesn't matter who's in office you know I, people just the people are so hung up on uh, you know parties and because you, people who are, are running this country have trained people to think like that they're trained to think Democrat Republican they're trained to think uh, one way or the other Oh, if they don't do it, it's, well, there's nothing wrong. You know, we had Obama for eight years; he was wonderful. We still got bad things in the in the, and we will probably have it with everybody who's in office until this nation is totally rebuilt. These things happen in cycles, so it's not to point the finger at anybody or try to, you know promote anything but this is about the work of God to help people amen so father why don't you guys pray in the spirit thank you father father we thank you that our nation is under God we thank you that we can help rebuild this nation with your guidance thank you for those who are called to do this work so we pray for their success in rebuilding our country thank you father for Nehemiah 1 uh, 10 through 11 they are your servants and your people whom you redeem with your grace strength in your mighty hand Lord let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of all men when our enemies heard about your plan to make America great again they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the people of America then I said to them you see the trouble we are in America America lies in ruins its gates have been opened come let us rebuild the wall of America and we will no longer be in disgrace I answered them by saying the God of heaven will give us success we his servants will start rebuilding but as for you you have no share in America's rebuilding or any claim or historic right to it when our enemies heard that we were rebuilding the wall they became very angry and were greatly incensed they ridiculed us and in the presence of his associates and the army of God he said what are those deplorables doing will they restore their wall will they finish in a day can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble destroyed as they are hear us O God for we are despised turn their insults back on their own heads give them over as plunder in the land of captivity when our enemies heard that we are aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it we all return to the wall each to our own work from that day on half of, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears shields bow, bows and armor 
the officers posted themselves behind all the people of America who were rebuilding the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and had a weapon in the other hand. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Lord raise up watchmen to work with the leaders and stay close to them. From that day on half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armor the officers themselves posted themselves behind all the people that were building the wall neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor their guards with me took off our clothes each had his weapon even when he went for water the Lord says give back to them immediately their fields their vineyards their olive groves their houses and also the interest you're charging them one percent of money grain new wine and olive oil thank you Lord that the people who robbed this nation will cease robbing and give back what was stolen moreover from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah until his 37 second year 12 years neither I nor my brothers ate a food allotted to the governor thank you Lord that true leaders are not in it for the money they were all trying to frighten us thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed but I prayed Lord now strengthen our hands in Jesus name amen and praise God amen 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 Amen. So we're believing great things for every city. Now we thought, first of all, it was Detroit. But now we see it was leading up to rebuilding this nation again. Why should we be the only ones who prosper? Amen. God wants this whole nation to prosper. And I believe that our prayers are very, very essential to what God is doing. Never under, because it's the anointing that's doing the work and the word of God that's doing the work folks so never underestimate the anointing and the word of God amen so if anybody needs prayer come on up and I'll pray